Praise God. Praise God. Please take a seat, everybody. Thank you for such a warm welcome here. It's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, as pastors in Australia many years ago, we would always make sure that whenever we were traveling that we would always try and find ourselves in some of the most remote parts of Australia because we know that there are men and women of God that have been ministering in these areas for a long time and they, they've just, they just want somebody to pop in and have a cup of tea with them. And that's what Denise and I used to do. We've been to Wagga, 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 Wagga. So good, they've named it twice. We've been to all sorts of places right around. We started a church, as you were right, in the center of Australia, right there in Alice Springs. We lived in Alice Springs for three years. It was an, a wonderful experience, really. It was hard in some places, uh, and at some times. Our closest Assemblies of God church was in Mount Isa. Pretty cool, hey, 1,100 kilometers away. The next closest church was in Darwin and then followed by Adelaide. So we were really probably one of the most isolated churches in Australia, but we really loved it as well. Listen, I've, uh, I've written a new book. It's called Unseen, and I want to take the opportunity to encourage you to buy this book after the service. Um, I'll be there at the back, and uh, we'll be able to sign that copy for you if you like. They've, they've told me, Pastor Rob, that it's worth a lot more after the author has signed it. So you can read it, stick it on eBay, and get $40 for it. That'll be fantastic. But uh, honestly, this is probably one of the best things I've ever written. The subject of the unseen realm is not something that uh, in Western culture we talk a lot, a lot about. Uh, it's not something that we've uh, spent much time understanding. But if I was to tell you that you had an enemy that you could not see, and he can see you, and he knows everything about you, and he knows how to... Flip your switches. He knows how to get close to you and how to impede your, your movements for God. You would want to find out about that enemy. This book tells you all about it. But the book also is very, very powerful when it comes about our victory in Jesus Christ. I am not, I'm brutal in the way that I've dealt with the enemy because he is brutal in the way that he deals with us. And uh, I want to make sure that every Christian is, is equipped with information that can help them to stand against the powers of the evil one. One of the chapters of my book that I like the best, it's called Folk Fusion Christianity. And uh, I've used the, the double barrow, folk and fusion. Uh, most of us understand what fusion restaurants are all about. I don't go to Asian fusion restaurants. They scare me. I don't know what I'm going to get. Uh, folk Christianity, folk religions is where a religion is broken down into a city, into a nation. And it adds ingredients to it. For instance, uh, the Catholic Church in some parts of Bangkok have statues of the Mother Mary out the front, which many Catholic churches do. But they've also got candles that they put out there for her, and they're burning incense towards her as like a god. This is folk Christianity. Catholic Church does not teach that, but that's what they do. Buddhism is the same in Thailand. It's called folk Buddhism because there's aspects of Buddhism that take place that, that don't happen in, in true, purest sense of Buddhism. And it's the same with Christianity. There's a lot of woofy stuff that goes on in the Christian church. Believe you me. Hey, 38,000 different Protestant denominations in the world today. You would think that we'd be able to agree on a few things, you know? 38,000, you know? That's where all those people get annoyed, offended, and say, oh, I'm leaving the church, and they go and start their own. Good on them. So we're, we're not really for that. We're for learning how to flow together. 
And uh, as, I, as I thought about this whole concept of, of folk Christianity, I began to understand that there are little stories that we tell people and they get, get passed down in oral history, but they're not biblical. They're not biblical at all. You know, I had a, a person staying with me and, uh, and, and I knew he liked classical music, so I stuck on Beethoven. And he says, oh, I don't like Beethoven. I said, oh, why is that? He was very angry. I said, you know he was deaf, don't you? And that was 500 years ago. There were no uh, services for the disabled. There was no one that understood this disability. He was a composer, and he was trying to, you know, continue his work, but he was deaf. I'd be angry as well. Oh. So what would you like to listen to? He said, what about Mozart? I thought to myself, drunken womanizer. Yeah, we can play Mozart. He said, what about Tchaikovsky? Died of syphilis, depression, and lived a terribly immoral life. Yeah, we can play Tchaikovsky. We, in, we ended up on Brahms. But I, I've got a whole section in my book just on that particular story and some of the things. He, uh, he pointed to a book on my, on my bookshelf and said, what's this book about Sigmund Freud? And uh, I said, it's a biography of Sigmund Freud. Why would you have something like that? I said, well, he was probably one of the, the greatest um, uh, fathers of uh, understanding the mind. And, and you know, I, I thought it would be a great idea to, to read about him. You know, seeing it impinges on many parts of our lives today. Oh, 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 this guy's of the devil. I said, really? Okay. I'm glad you didn't pick this other book over here. It was called For Whom the Bell Tolls. Does anyone know the author of that book? Ernest Hemingway. And so the reason I was glad that he didn't pick that book, because it wasn't actually a book. It was like a, a book that when you open it, it had like a, a, a hip flask in it. Now, the hip flask was empty. I'm a Christian. And uh, I was just so pleased that he didn't pick that one. But there's a lot of foolishness that goes on in the name of Christianity. I seek to expose some of that foolishness as well. I'd like to encourage you to buy my book. It's a great book, and it will give you some tremendous insights, understanding, and the Holy Spirit will use the book to illuminate to you areas of your life where you can be standing strong. Hey, we've been singing a song recently uh, around our churches called Waymaker. Any of you know that song? Waymaker, miracle worker. Great song, great song. And uh, so we were sitting around in our preaching uh, time, our um, scheduling time, uh, deciding what we were going to be preaching on over this next couple of months. And uh, we talked about the word Waymaker. One of the guys on the team says, I think that's a made-up word, you know. I said, well, we can be poetic, can't we? It's not a made-up word. I decided I would consult the person that knows everything. That's not my wife. It's actually Google. And so I, I had a little chat with Google, and Google had an answer. Isn't that interesting? A waymaker. Listen to this. An English royal official of the 16th and 17th century with the duties of keeping highways cleared and in good repair. A person that prepares the way for another a forerunner, a precursor, a prelude. Now, I looked at that word precursor, and it talks about the world of the pioneer, of people, of people who are innovators, who are creators or visionaries. Powerful words from Google. Hey, Jesus is a waymaker. The thing that I love about the whole concept of the waymaker is that the power of the supernatural that surrounds it, 
Now, back in the 16th and the 17th century, just making sure that uh, highways were cleared, that was a big enough job. But when it comes to the way Jesus works in our lives, I think to myself, this is very powerful and very supernatural. The word waymaker is incredibly fundamental to the whole concept of New Testament theology. You see, there was a problem that man had when it came to God. We couldn't get to God. God had to come down to us. And so we couldn't, we couldn't touch God. We couldn't hear God. We couldn't be in God's presence. There was a, a prescription that, that said that only one person once a year could actually come into the presence of God. And even then they put a rope around his leg in case he did it the wrong way. They pulled him out dead. So coming into the presence of God was not an exciting thing like we've been experiencing today. It was a frightening thing. And man didn't know how they could get to be in the presence of God and in fellowship and in relationship with God until Jesus came. Jesus came. He came from heaven to earth. He was born in a a small town in the middle of nowhere. He, He was born in such a rude and terrible situation He was placed in a manger, in an animal shed. Heaven came down to make a way for us. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it's finished. The scripture says three days later, he was raised again from the dead so that we could all now have access to God the Father. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that we can now come confidently and boldly into the presence of God, seeking mercy in times of need. Jesus was truly a way maker. And he said, if anyone believes on me, they will have eternal life. They will not perish. So Jesus made a way for us to come into his presence. And we've got that gracious, glorious experience. We should all be incredibly humbled by that thought, hey? Humility being probably one of the greatest uh, essence of Christianity that we would have, to know that we are humbled in the presence of God and that God then turns to exalt us and use us as he seems fit to do. I love God. God bless you. God, I love God. I love the way he moves in our midst. I love the way he touches our hearts. I love the way he moves in our spirit and begins to help us. But you see, the name Waymaker goes even further than this fundamental of New Testament theology. Waymaker. We've been singing about it all night long. We've been singing about it. I've been watching these songs, and I'm thinking to myself, nobody knew what I was preaching on. I sent Pastor Rob my message notes at about 2 o'clock this afternoon. Nobody knew what I was speaking about, but every one of these songs has been talking about how God makes a way for us. So I want to encourage you today, the name Jesus so profound as it reflects on this title of Jesus being a waymaker. It gives us insights into how he works with us. When faced with difficulties, when faced with darkness and desperation, we discover something powerful about the nature of Jesus Christ, that he is able to make a way for us where there is no way in the natural. This is a glimpse of the supernatural power of Jesus Christ. It's a... Con- it's, a, it's, a, it's an opening, it's an understanding of the way that Jesus moves. Waymaker, we stir our faith in Jesus. Maybe you're in situations tonight where the way before you looks absolutely hopeless, where the road is dark and intimidating. Maybe you've experienced that you're, you're looking at situations where there's desperation and maybe a bit of confusion. 
Maybe you've been faced with circumstances that left you with less than confidence, and yet you need to know that God is working with you for the task. Maybe it was a doctor's diagnosis. What the doctor told you has left you without breath, broken and hopeless. Maybe, maybe you have two or more options standing in front of you. The road ahead is not clear. You're not sure what you're supposed to do. It's a bit confusing, clouded and vague. You know, the Bible says there is a way that seems right, but you're just not sure. Your confidence has evaporated. You're not alone in feeling some of these emotions or facing these moments of crisis. Many through history have faced exactly the same things that you're facing. Many of you, even in this room today, have experienced the same confusing and perplexing circumstances, and you're wondering just how you can make it through. The Bible is full of people who had hopeless and dark experiences before there was no way out. In the book of Exodus, chapter 14, we read an incredible story, which is the fabric of Israel's history. As they were leaving Egypt, they'd been in slavery for well over 400 years, and God wanted to set his people free, and he chose Moses to lead them. And on the day that they left Egypt, after so many different situations took place, on the road they were being led by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And on this particular day, this cloud was leading them towards the Red Sea. Many people would be thinking to themselves, why is this cloud leading us to the Red Sea? Oh, maybe so that we can go down further down the peninsula and then up and around. But on this particular day, the scouts began to get a message back up to Moses at the top of the crowd, and he says, Israel's, sorry, Egypt's army are coming against us. They're coming in to grab us. Now, the people began to become fearful because the armies of Egypt, the armies of Pharaoh were behind them, horses and chariots, armies with swords and spears and, and arrows. They were coming up behind them. To the left of the children of Israel, as they were moving towards the Red Sea, were mountainsides. To the right, there were mountainsides. They were, they were in an impossible situation with Egypt behind them, mountains on both sides, and they were now coming up to the Red Sea. What were they going to do? Well, Moses cried out to God, and God says, what have you got on your hand? He says, I've got my staff. He said, lift it up like that. And as he did, a wind began to blow. Many of you here know the story of the people of Israel as they left Egypt. The winds began to blow and an opening was made, a way was made through the Red Sea. And Moses and the children of Israel made their escape in that particular direction. The Bible says that they crossed the Red Sea on dry land. What an amazing miracle. Even as it is part of the fabric of Jewish history, so it is the fabric of our Christian understanding of Jesus being a way maker, when the enemy is hot on our heels, when there's no escape to the left or to the right, and when the way in front of us is impossible, Jesus, the way maker, comes in and he makes a way where there is no way. This is the power. This is the profound understanding of who Jesus is, our way maker. But you know something? Every time Jesus makes a way, he usually makes a way where the way was impossible. And it could only be God that does it. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. It shows the supernatural power of God in the midst of an impossible situation. This is what I love about Jesus being a way maker. Throughout Scripture, there's stories of people being delivered from impossible situations. 
God makes a way where there is no way. God makes a way when the way is dark and disturbing in front of us. God makes a way where the opposition seems so strong against you. God makes a way when you feel you have no courage. When I lived in Alice Springs, I had two death threats while I was living in Alice Springs. One was someone that uh, was not a Christian but had guns, and uh, as you do in the territory. And uh, this guy said to me, he says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill But I was so nervous. I was so scared. The second one happened to be a, a Christian. He had guns as well, and he was going to kill me. And, you know, as I would go to do my daily duties around Alice Springs, you know, collect my mail, I'd look over, and there he was, leaning against his truck. And I got scared. I said, Lord, help me. Help me. I'm still alive. So you know the rest of the story. All it was was a death threat. Jesus made a way. Jesus kept me protected. Jesus kept his hand upon my life. It could have ended quite differently. Both of these violent men had horrible intentions towards me. But Jesus made a way where there was no way. There are stories like this of deliverance throughout Scripture and throughout history. What we need to understand about Jesus being a waymaker is that Jesus needs us to understand that there's a requirement from us for him to move in this particular way. And that requirement is that we have faith in his supernatural power. Now again, here in the Western world, uh, we're either super, super crazy, charismatic sort of people where, you know, we're super spiritual, space cowboys, and, you know, the spiritual and the supernatural is woo! You've met some of those people. Or on the other side, it's like we have no faith for the supernatural. Unless I can see it, smell it, touch it, or taste it, then it's not real. Both of these excesses are wrong. A misuse of this understanding causes great damage to us. But we need to understand that the supernatural is supported by faith. By faith. Let me read a scripture to you. John chapter 4, 49 to 51. This is a story about Jesus bringing healing to a little child. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. The royal official was desperate. You've been in those situations. You've been in those situations when you're desperate. It may be the life of a child. It may be a situation with your finances. It may be a situation with your marriage. It may be a situation at school, at university. It may be a situation with one of your family members. But you are desperate. The scripture says his child was going to die. This is an awful experience for a, a father, for a mother, to know that their child is sick nigh unto death. Jesus, what's his last hope? Jesus replied, go, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. That's pretty cool, isn't it? He took Jesus at his word. He had faith in Jesus he had faith in Jesus' uh, word. The scripture says that while he was still on the way, what way is that? Obviously, it was his way home. But while he was on the way of faith, while he took Jesus at his word, he moved on. And Jesus' word was, his servant met him with the news that the boy was living. Every way Jesus makes for us will require faith. Jesus is a way maker and we follow him always by faith. George Muller was a, a Christian evangelist and director of the Ashley Downs Orphanage in Bristol, there in England. 
He once said, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. I'm going to tell you something, and you need to listen very, very carefully. Jesus loves putting you in impossible situations. Jesus loves putting you in situations so impossible that only he can make a way. Jesus loves doing that for us because it strengthens our faith in him. It, 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 it tightens the bond of understanding between ourselves and him and gives us an understanding of faith that takes us through into the realm of the impossible. It's exciting, isn't it? Jesus is a way maker. He understands that we need faith. In Isaiah 43, verses 16 to 19, let me read the scripture to you. It says, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they laid there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. This passage of Scripture is a direct reference to Exodus 14. And I love the fact, as this is uh, uh, weaved into the very fabric of Israel's history, that again and again and again throughout Scripture, the Bible talks about this incredible waymaker. Jesus, who made a way where there was no way. One of the things I love about this scripture is that the armies of, Israel, of, of Egypt, they decided, well, if it's good enough for these Egyptian slaves to walk through like that, then it's good enough for an Egyptian army to go through. Wow, what a big mistake that was. I want to share something with you too. I want you to listen again carefully. As you take steps of faith and as obedience comes into your heart, as you begin to move forward, allowing Jesus to be the way maker for you, the enemy who's chasing at your backside will be destroyed by the power of Jesus Christ. The enemy, as you stand in faith in Jesus' name, will be defeated behind you, and you will begin to see a victory in front of you. God is such a good God. He loves us, but he requires us to use faith. He requires us to move in faith. I want to encourage you on that one as well. If it's humanly possible, then possibly then we can possibly do it. But when it is humanly impossible, God says, I delight to do the impossible. He's a way maker. The Bible talks about the fact that he will make a way where there is no way. Where's my mate Cameron? Wave if you're there. There you are, Cameron. I felt in my heart this morning or this afternoon as I was waiting on the Lord on my bed, <laughs> as you do on a Sunday afternoon, you came into my mind. And, and these are the words which I felt I wanted to give to you. You may not be able to go back into time, and to rewrite the beginning of your book. But Jesus is with you right now so that you can begin to write your future. And even though your past may be broken and your past may not be good and the difficulties that exist in that situation, the Lord is with you not only to finish this great book of your life, but maybe to inspire others around you to begin to write their book as well. I believe that God will use you as you, by faith, begin to move forward and follow the ways of Jesus, the Lord will be with you. And he'll give you the opportunity to speak into the hearts and into the lives of many, many other people along this road. Follow the way maker. 
He's going to take you into ways that you've never even considered. Doors that look completely shut at the moment will open to you in Jesus' name. I want to inspire and encourage you tonight that the Lord is with you. I said to Pastor Rob, I said, what is it about this kid? He's 19 years old. And they said, oh, he's a good lad. I said, well, there's a lot of good lads around the place. So what is it? You know, when, when Samuel was trying to find the new king of Israel, he went through and he looked at all of Jesse's sons, and he says, no, nah, none of them. You got another one? Oh, the, the rug rat out the back looking after the sheep. You may feel just exactly like that, lost and forgotten, overlooked. But I want you to know that God has not overlooked you. Now, there are some of you thinking to yourself, gee, I wish he'd prophesied something like that over me. Well, why don't you by faith take it? Take it. Say, yeah, I'll take that. Young 15-year-old young boy down here. Do you know, it's funny. I walk into, I walk into churches and, and God just highlights people to me. And I think, what, what is this all about? God highlighted you to me as well. I began to see the hand of the Lord upon your life. Now, just be aware of the fact that as you move forward, you will be, you will be uh, faced with closed doors. You'll be faced with impossible circumstances. You'll look at a situation and think, by faith, this is maybe only possible by faith because it's impossible in my own understanding. The Lord is with you, though. And I want to encourage you. The more you start to bang down those gates of hell, the more strongholds you pull down in Jesus' name, the stronger you'll become and the more full of faith you'll become. You know, this morning we were out there talking. I had a couple of the lads around me, and I kept trying to pull you in a little bit closer. I believe that's what the Holy Spirit's doing with you right now. You're 15. You're excited. You've got a great life in front of you. You're at school. You're probably pretty popular. You know, I don't know, women clawing, you know, to get close to you. I don't know, something like that. But I want to encourage you. Come, come a little bit closer. Come a little bit closer to God. Start to identify men and women of God in your life and those that, that love the Lord. And whenever a guest speaker comes in, make sure you find yourself at one point. Try and make him a cup of coffee. Having a little bit of a, a, con, a, a conversation with him. Talk a little bit more with him. These are the kinds of people that will come into your life that will open doors for you as well in Jesus' name. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing how God just moves. You know, talking to Michael on Saturday, uh, I looked into his face and I just began to see just a calm spirit, just a, a, a sense where, you know, there was a great peace. But I believe that the Lord is stirring you even more as far as ambition as well. There are godly ambitions that God has placed in your heart. And I think that the Lord is going to make a way for you and that you'll begin to, to see as doors begin to open up, as, as pathways become revealed to you, as the word of the Lord comes to you and you begin to see what God wants you to do. Believe me, it's not over yet. You know, Pastor Brian Houston keeps saying, oh, the best is yet to come. And I keep thinking to myself, I'm 60 flipping too. How can the best, how can the best yet to be coming? Lord, is there ever a day when the best is, not, is, is over? And the Lord spoke to me. I, I was just hassling the Lord, that's all. But I like it when he speaks and he says, well, what do you want to believe, that the best has already come or that the best is yet to come? I'll do either thing. Do you think that the best has already come? Well, that's fine. You can just coast on down till you die. Or you can believe that the best is yet to come, and that my hand is still upon you and that I'm still with you and I'm still working for you and I'm still making a way where there is no way. It's up to you, though. You can believe what you want to believe. I thought, okay, best is yet to come. So at 82, I'm going to be saying, and the best is yet to come. And when I'm 92, the best is yet to come. It's not over. 
It's not over. Jesus will continue to make a way. I love that. I love that. Jesus makes a way through all sorts of obstacles, whether it's water, fire, darkness. Jesus is a way maker. The way he makes not only opens previously shut doors, but he deals with the enemy of our soul in the process. I love that. He who drew out the chariots and the horses, the armies and the reinforcements together, they were laid there, never to rise again. That's why they say, next level, new devils. You see, once you've defeated certain devils, you're never going to have to see them again because you've defeated those things. But the next level that you go to, you'll find there'll be new devils that you'll have to face. There'll be new strongholds that you'll have to pull down. There'll be new gates of hell that you'll have to assail. There'll be different situations where you're going to need the waymaker to make a way where there is no way. I'm speaking to somebody here right now in Jesus' name. I want to encourage you. Keep going. Just four things really quickly. I'm nearly finished. God will make a way. Okay? God will make a way where there is no way. Believe me. God will make a way where there is no way. Number two, God is preparing the way. Like John the Baptist, God is behind the scenes and he's working on your behalf. There are some of you that need to hear this right now. God is in the, in the background of your life. You're praying, you're crying, you're speaking, you're, you're, you're uh, speaking in tongues, you're desperate, you're, you're hungry for a touch from God. God is actually in the background preparing a way for you. Okay, you got that? He's there. He's a way maker. He goes before you and he prepares a way. Behind the scenes, this is what God is doing for you. You can't see it yet. His work is invisible to your natural senses. You've been praying. You've been crying out to him. The darkness is thick. You're vacillating in your faith. You're battling with unbelief. You're struggling to believe God. But Jesus is a way maker, and he is preparing a way for you. Please don't quit yet. Don't quit. Don't stop. You may not be able to see what he's doing, but he's working. He's working behind the scenes to do something for you. Number three, God's word will always light the way. When you're in doubt, turn to the word of God. In the book of Psalms, 119, verses 105, the Bible says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light to my path. When we are in the darkness that surrounds us, we know that our movements will be guided by the word of God. We need this kind of light for our feet. The problem that I face with many Christians, they just don't know what the Bible says. A lot of young people, they think, oh, the Bible is just such a really big book. We'll start now and you'll have it finished. One of my goals is to read the Bible every year. Usually in the last 10 or so, I've been reading it in different translations as well just because, you know, I got a little bit sick of the King James and then I moved to the New American Standard then I went to the NIV and then the Message Bible and now I'm looking at it through the, the TPT, the Passion Translation, but that's only the New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs. But, you know, every year I want to read the Bible. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm rereading and reading and rereading and reading and rereading. Because it's amazing how the light that the Word of God gives to me in my everyday life and experience is so powerful. It illumines the way before you. I found this other scripture in the book of Job, chapter 29, verse 3. When his lamp shone above my head, and by his light I walked through darkness. You may be, have darkness all around you. Do you know what I mean? We were leaving Pastor Rob's house last night after a beautiful lamb roast, Pauline. Thank you very, very much. It was very, very nice. And I, as he opened the front door, I thought, oh, gosh, it's really dark out there. 
And he says, hang on. And he flipped on a light, and there it was. I saw the steps at the end of the front path there. I was able to get into the car. Isn't that amazing? That's what the Word of God does for you. You're in darkness. All you need to do is open the Bible, and the Word of the Lord will provide light for you. I get very challenged, you know, when it comes to, to, to life around us. And I, I just know that I need guidance from God's Word every day. Number four, God has a way for us. And in Scripture, we call it the will of God. There is a way God asks us to live our lives by. God has a way of doing things. He's pretty open with all that stuff as well. It's there, written in the Word of God. The Bible is the instruction manual to live life God's way. And you know, I get a little bit concerned. I see some people, they're going through some financial difficulty. One of the first questions I ask them is, have you trusted God with your finances? Are you tithing? Are you giving? Oh, I can't afford to tithe. Can I say something to you? Genuinely, in the name of Jesus, you can't afford not to tithe. I want the blessing of God on my finances, and I want God to bless me, and I want to I I give my tithe graciously. The scripture says that as you bring your tithe into the storehouse, he has the ability to open the windows of heaven. Talk about a way maker. He opens the windows of heaven, and he pours out a blessing until there is no need. You know, some of you are looking for your husbands and your wives. Great place to come looking here in the house of God as well. Don't be tempted to, you know, get involved in, you know, some of the activities that our friends in the world are involved in, you know. You know, just indiscriminately having sex wherever we want. You know, the word of God is so clear. Sex is for marriage, and that's the will of God. And when you begin to understand that, you begin, as a pastor, I see the devastation when young people uh, disobey the will of God. Uh, tragic story in our church. Young girl and a young fellow in our church, they went out and, uh, and, and they went out to a nightclub and they, they just drank a little bit too much and they ended up back at her house. And, and you know what happened. And uh, she wakes up the next morning and he's gone. And she starts texting, where are you, where are you, where are you? He refused to answer. She fell into the depths of depression and sought to commit suicide. It was a three-day saga. He was off scot-free. Her life was broken. Just broken. Do you know, as a pastor, I see that replayed dozens and dozens and dozens of times. People say, oh, Pastor Tom, you're just old-fashioned. No, I'm a man that believes in the will of God. Follow the will of God. God has a way for you to live your life. I want to encourage you to do that. Concluding this, maybe the band could come out now. We follow him because in Proverbs 14 and verse 12, it says, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Now, I'm not too sure about you, but I really desire to live a successful life, a prosperous life, and an abundant life. I want a life of substance built upon good foundations and a life that will benefit other people. So I want to know God's ways. I want to know God's will. Because there's a lot of ways that look good. But in the end, they lead to death. Sound judgment, common sense. It all comes from our understanding of the Scriptures, doesn't it? It all comes from our understanding of being willing to follow the ways of God and the will of God. I don't want a way that just appears right. I want to make sure that my feet are solid on God's Word in the way that is right.
leads to death if you don't. Sounds permanent, doesn't it? Sounds dark and not the way I desire to go. So I want to follow Jesus, the way maker. I need to know his will and to follow him. The most profound way God made for any one of us is the way he made for everyone through the death of his son on the cross. John 14 and verse 6, Jesus declares, I am the way. Jesus died on a cross for our sins, for the sins that he didn't commit. The innocent found guilty. Those of us who are guilty, we've been forgiven. This is the way that Jesus made. He didn't say, come, follow me, I'll show you the way. He said, I am the way. The way to heaven, the way to be in relationship with God the Father, a way for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the power of God. It's a way for all humanity to secure salvation. And all we need to do is to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. As I finish here, I want to inspire and encourage you. I want you to stir your faith tonight. I want you to believe in Jesus, the way maker. I don't know who you are, but behind the scenes, he's preparing a way for you. At the moment, you're feeling great deal of anxiety you're anxious you're worrying let me tell you something about anxiety and worry whenever you feel anxiety it is the way that God has created us so that we'll begin to pray you don't live you don't need to live with anxiety when you begin to sense anxiety and worry that's the moment think great thank you God I'm going to pray about this cast all my cares upon you because you care for me You're not going to concentrate on the impossible way in front of you. You're going to look to him, the way maker. So I'm speaking to a number of people here tonight. And anxiety seems to just be almost like a constant nagging force in your own life. It's awful, isn't it? Sometimes you have panic attacks. Some of you have gone as far as consulting your doctor about how fearful you oftentimes feel. I believe that God has not given to us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And I believe that tonight the Lord would come and bring some deliverance to you from this anxiety. As we help you to take your eyes off of the impossible and to look to God and see the possible, to see Jesus as a way maker. The road ahead looks dark and is desperate. Jesus says, I will make a way. When the road is tough and difficult, Jesus said, I will make a way. When the path is blocked and it's impossible to make it through, Jesus says, I will make a way. Would you stand with me, please? I know our Jesus, and I've read about him in, in his word. Jesus makes a way in the wilderness. He makes a way through the valley of the shadow of death. He makes a way for us even when we're seated at a table before our enemies. Jesus makes a way when the night is darkest. Jesus makes a way where there is literally no way. Before we conclude this service tonight, it would be remiss of me not to ask you this one simple question. And that is, have you given your life to Jesus? Have you asked Christ to come and live within you? Have you said yes to Jesus? Have you invited him to come and live within you? Have you you asked him to come in and forgive you of your sins? and to give you a brand new life. If you haven't, I want to give you that opportunity. And in just a moment from now, I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes and bow their heads. Then I'm going to just say, if that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus, would you raise your hands? I might ask the house lights to come up just a little bit so I can see you. But at this moment, it's going to be a moment of focus. 
in a moment of privacy so that you can say yes to Jesus. So would you close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment, please? Everyone right across this auditorium. Christians, those of you that you know that Jesus lives in you, that's fantastic, isn't it? Why don't you begin praying for those that maybe don't know him yet? If that's you, you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to say yes to Christ. Would you just lift your hand right now? Lift it up high so I can... Thank you so much. I see that hand. You can put it down again. God bless you. Is there someone else? You need to give your life to Jesus. Thank you. God bless you. I see that hand. You can put it down again. Is there someone else? Lift it up high so I can see it. Lift it up high. Lift it up very high so I can see it. You need to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you once were a Christian, but you've walked away from God, and you know that you need to recommit your life to Christ. If that's you, would you lift your hand up high so I can see it? You need to reconnect with Jesus. You've walked away. The fire that once burned so brightly, passionately, is now starting to, to be torn down. Lift your hand up right now and reconnect with Jesus, if that's you. Is there anyone else? Well, there's been a number of hands that have gone up this, this evening. We're going to pray with you so as not to embarrass you in any way. What we're going to do is we're all going to say this prayer together. But if you raised your hand, I, I really want to encourage you. Say this prayer out loud. Put breath behind it in Jesus' name. Let's all say this prayer together. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. Come and live within me. Forgive me of my sin. I will follow you from this day forward. Amen. Come on, let's give those people a hand. You've made a big and a great decision.